Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. My name is Nick Smith and I'm part of the leadership team of Champions Church Skipton. I hope and pray you will enjoy, be inspired and challenged as you hear what God has to say to you today. So on Friday, we remember the darkness of the cross. But today, we see the light of the new day rise. Death defeated. The Son of God is alive. Amen. Many of you will know this passage, will know the events of Easter so well. For others, this might be your first Easter Sunday. For all of us, it's the first Easter Sunday that has been celebrated quite like this. We're going to read in a minute from Mark 16. So you haven't had the opportunity to grab a Bible as you enter church, but I'm hoping you've got one handy. If not, take an opportunity to pull one up on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, anything, just not the one you're watching this on. Grab a Bible. So yeah, the first Easter Sunday celebrated quite like this. No one saw us doing church for a live stream on Easter Sunday. But God is doing incredible stuff at this time, difficult time. I love our Champions Church family. I love all of you, even the difficult ones. And I'm really looking forward to meeting with you all again. If we were together, there may have been 25, 30 or 40 of us. And it would have been awesome. But as I've already said, in the three weeks we have been live streaming, God has been blessing us as a church. And on average, we are seeing four or five times that amount tuning in on a Sunday or later in the week. The other beauty of uh, doing it for YouTube is you can watch this later on. That's okay. Praise God for what he's doing at this time as he connects us with a wider group of people, an extended family. Or just those for whom Sunday morning church has not been accessible, whether that through transport issues, mobility issues, whatever it might be. God has opened our doors to more people. And I, just, I think we should continue to pray that as we meet together, uh, more people will hear this message. We may be more restricted in our movement, but God is reaching people every day. Praise God for what he's doing. God has a plan for this Easter and I pray for everyone connecting with us today, whether that is live or on catch up, that you will know the truth of the Easter message and you today. And I'm going to come back to that. So before I start, and as you'll know, when I preach, I like to share a bit of a story. Um, but I'm sure many of you watching today like a good film. Often, when we're watching a great film, you get to that point as the film begins to wrap up, where you get the real feel-good moment, the ending montage, the music kicks in and everything feels warm and cuddly. They're the kind of films that I like to watch. Some of you will know me pretty well and will know that I'm a bit of a fan of, of films, and especially, I hate to say it in front of so many people, but I'm a bit of a science fiction fan. Just so I'm not on my own, I'll let you know, if you didn't already know, that that's something myself and Michael have in common. We both enjoy science fiction films. A film that I think does that, that ending moment really well is Return of the Jedi. 
Yep, you heard it. A Star Wars film. I love Star Wars. In my opinion, it's the second best Star Wars film ever created, and I'm really happy to square that away with anybody who wants to in the Zoom after party. So you've watched this fantastic uh, this, uh, kind of series of films. It's a roller coaster film. You get to this point where there are battle scenes going on in three locations. The high points and the dark moments, but we get to this final mo moment when the Death Star has just been blown up for the second time. The Ewoks get on their massive horns. The drums start going, X-Wings fly by, dancing, party, music, fireworks. The moment we all remember when the Ewok is banging the, the helmets of the stormtroopers. It's truly a beautiful moment. Bear with me, if you don't like Star Wars, it is a beautiful moment. It's the end of a truly great story. Good triumphs over evil. In many ways, Mark 16 feels like that moment. The resurrection. Jesus is risen. Cue the music. But unlike many films, this is not the end of a great story. This is the start. The start of many, many great stories. And this one. All these stories start with victory. See, it's the start of all of our stories. And we start with victory. This is the truth of Easter. It is God's victory for us. If you do not know the truth right now, pay close attention. Listen, hear, allow God to speak to you. If you do know it, this is a reminder of that awesome victory, but also a message as to what we're supposed to do with that. I like to throw in a practical challenge. So do not turn off. This was and is just the start of your story. I'm going to start by reading Mark chapter 16. So pick up, fire up your Bibles. I meant to say earlier, by the way, I apologise for the lack of a fantastic screen behind me. I put in an order, but it hasn't been past our acquisitions department that I can buy a 60-inch flat screen TV for the wall. We'll see. Maybe next time. I also don't have JJ's technical support. Um, so there you go. So, uh, grab your Bible, let us read uh, Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone? who will roll the stone away from the entrance, sorry, of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away already. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. 
She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes in his baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Praise God. Amen. I love this passage. It has some beautiful moments in it. I'm particularly fond of verse 6 that says, Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. You can picture the confusion on their face and the way God so often thinks of us as he starts. Don't be alarmed. They've walked into a, a tomb where they're expecting to anoint a body. Instead, the tomb is open and there's a guy dressed in white sat there waiting for them. And understandably, they're a bit scared, but God understands this and says straight away, don't be alarmed. Anyway, I love those kind of details. I love the way God cares for us. And we're going to come back to that. Before we look at the great events of Mark 16, we need to recap what happened just before in Mark 15. You need to hear both sides, the events of what we now call Good Friday. So turn back a page, as it is in my Bible anyway. And I'm going to read uh, from verse 33 of Mark 15. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he is calling Elijah. One man filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard this cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some of them were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and, and Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as the evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down 
the body, wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance for the tomb of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Josie saw where he was laid. The sky went dark at midday. Three hours later, Jesus called out, My God, why have you forsaken me, abandoned me, left me? With a loud cry, Jesus died on that cross. This was a a dark moment. Jesus was dead. God had left Jesus to die. But this was part of the plan. This was for us, for me and for you. As horrible as it was, Jesus had to die. This was God's plan prophesied about many years before his birth. In fact, if you go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 53, it was prophesied that Jesus had to die for us 700 years before Jesus was born. It says this in verse 8, By oppression and judgment he is taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Though he was innocent, he would die for our transgressions, the things we have done wrong. Jesus himself predicted his death on a number of occasions. It says in Mark 8, 81, 32, as he was speaking to his disciples, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teacher of the law, and um, that he, sorry, many things, and he'd be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teacher of law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter took him to a side and began to rebuke him. Jesus was trying to let his disciples know, but they would not consider it. They could not get their head around the fact Jesus had to die. But he did. Jesus had to die for us. When you come to Easter, you need to think about the message of why Jesus died. See, when God's people turn their back on God, when we live our life for us and not as God intended, if we live our life without God, the only possible consequence is eternity without God. It says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the cost or consequence of our sin, the doing things against God is death. Total separation from God. It says in Romans 3, 23, that we have all sinned and fallen short. Me, you, everyone, all of us have done things or lived our life in a way that God did not intend us. There is nothing we can do in our own power, but God had a plan for us. It says in those famous words in John 3.16, words I often say when I am preaching. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Jesus came to die for us in our place, to take on the punishment that we deserved so that we might be right with God and spend eternity in his awesome presence. That is the awesome truth of Easter. That is the truth for you and for me 
And if this is the first time that truth has been real for you, can I urge you to find out more about it? If God is speaking to you this Easter for the first time, do not do anything else today until you have prayed and recognised that amazing act of love was for you. Again, it said in Mark 15, 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, He said, surely this man was the son of God. That is what we remember on Friday. But as I said at the start, Easter Sunday is a bit different. It started with victory. Excuse me. It started with victory. Back to Mark 16, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus had completed his work on that Friday. Darkness descended, God forsake him, and Jesus died on the cross as he was planned. If that's where it ended, Jesus' death would have been noble but tragic. Jesus is taken down, he's hastily kind of wrapped and put in a tomb. A large stone was rolled across to seal it before the Sabbath starts, and that was really important. They had to they had to get him secured uh, before the Sabbath started. It feels like the most significant Sabbath that there has ever been, except for maybe day seven in the creation story and day one of Jesus' ministry in Luke 4, 16, both Sabbaths. Jesus dies on the cross. There's a day of rest. And then we start the new week. A week that starts with victory. It says in verse 2 that very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. I love this detail here. This was a new dawn. First light of the new week. Victory. It says in John 8 verse 12, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. On the Friday, we hear that darkness covered the land. Jesus rose from the dead and the sun rose. I love this picture. A picture of victory. The light will chase out the darkness. Jesus brings light to the world. Jesus' resurrection was victory over death. Light, victory over darkness. Jesus rose to prove that death has no authority over God. No authority over God. Death was defeated on that day. It was a victory for two reasons. Probably many more. Firstly, Jesus 
could not be held. He rose from the dead and is alive. That's important. Jesus is alive today. It was a victory that proved once again that he was the Son of God. But also that whoever believes in him does not need to fear death. Jesus died that you might have eternal life. That you might have life and eternal life with God. That death is no longer the end for us. Praise God for that victory. And if we turn to him and say, yes, Jesus died and rose for me, a light dawns within us. And our story starts with that victory. That victory was for me. That victory was for you. It was for all of us. Jesus died and rose again for us. Amen. But this passage goes on. One of the interesting things, these women who had walked and did life with Jesus, who had listened to him and knew him, the very people who were closest to Jesus. In fact, it says at the end of Mark 15, they had cared for him for many years. When they came down to that tomb on that morning, they were looking in the wrong place. If you go on in Mark 16, verse 4, it says, But when they looked up and saw the stone, which had very largely been rolled away, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. They were coming to anoint him. They expected to find him cold and in a tomb. They wanted to show him honour, to anoint him with oil. They at no point expected him not to be there. They even had a conversation as to who would roll that massive stone away. How would they get back into the tomb where Jesus lay? But they had heard it directly from him. Jesus told his disciples he would rise again. We see it in Mark 9, 31, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He told them that after he rose, he would go ahead of them to Galilee. Mark 14, 28. He taught them that what happened, that He taught them what would happen, yet they did not believe him. In their actions, they believed he was dead. In the way they responded, they showed they believed he was dead. The women came to anoint his body, not to meet a living Jesus. The others did not believe, even after he had risen, even after people who they knew and trusted saw him. The actions of his closest followers were of defeat, were of non-belief. Their actions pointed to the tomb. And I want to pause there. What do our actions say about Jesus? Does the way we live our life, the way we interact with the communities around us reflect that truth, that Jesus is alive today? Or are they actions of respect to the dead? What I love about this is that God knew and kept on telling them. Jesus knew they would let him down again. They would not go to Galilee. God knew and was prepared. It talks about it, doesn't it, in Mark 16, verse 6. When they entered the tomb, they saw a guy dressed in white waiting for them. God placed an angel in the tomb to wait for them. He cared enough to be gentle when they showed fear. God placed an angel in the tomb to announce he was alive 
and gently remind them where he would be. He even said, look for yourself, he's not there. He knew they would have to check. He is where he told you he would be. When they didn't believe, the women who came back to report what happened, Jesus appeared to others. Sorry, when they didn't believe the women who came back to report what happened, Jesus appeared to them walking on the road, to two of them. When they still didn't believe, when they carried on mourning and weeping, when they reacted as if they had given up, Jesus appeared to his disciples again as they ate. He rebuked, disapproved, criticised their lack of faith for their refusal to believe others. But he did not give up on them. No, he gave them a great honour to take his good news to all nations. He gave them, as it is often called, a great commission. Even in their unbelief, God raised them up to do his work. And this is true for us. At Easter, we are reminded of God's ultimate victory over death. Of the fact that Jesus not only died for us, but that we might be free of our sin. But he rose again and defeated death. That is amazing. That is good news. That is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. But do our actions say victory or do they point to the tomb? Do they say we are following a living God who is alive today and moving in power? We are told how we should respond to that very victory in verse 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison they will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will, and they will get well. Sharing the victory. If you believe what Jesus did for you, died on that cross to take your place as a sacrifice for what we have done, if you believe he rose again, defeated death and is alive today, then go into the world and preach the gospel, the good news to all creation. Because this is, this is good news. We are asked to tell others with passion and power to act as if we believe Jesus is alive today and people need to know it. When Jesus rose from the dead, a new light dawned on the world, a light that is good news to all who hear it, a light that defeats darkness, a light that our friends, our family, those around us need to hear about. You'll probably agree with me that today these times can feel quite dark. But on Easter Sunday, we bring good news of a new light that dawned in the world. A light that is for all. A light that conquers the dark. What will your actions say about you this Easter? Are you returning to the tomb to pay respect to the dead? Or are you running before Jesus as he told you to bring the message of great joy to all creation? I'm going to summarise. Jesus went to the cross for us to take our punishment so that we might be free to bring us back to God. Easter Sunday starts with victory. Jesus rose from the dead. 
He is alive today, defeated death so that we might live and have eternal life. Jesus brings light that chases away the darkness. What do our actions say about what we believe? This Easter, are we returning to the tomb to show our respect? Or are we running ahead of Jesus to bring this amazing news to all creation? Amen. Come on. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you, if this is the first time you are hearing this message and God is speaking to you, if you are sat there thinking, I want to turn my life to this living Jesus who died for me so that my sins might be forgiven and I might be right with God, I'll ask you to pray right now. Pray for Jesus, for that sacrifice to be for you. I want you to get in contact with us. I want you to connect with us, email us, uh, message us on Facebook so that we can pray for you. Right. Let's pray. Let's put the kettle on and let's join each other for the after party. Well, there you go. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you've been moved by what you've heard today. We would love to hear from you at Champions Church. Please look us up on Facebook at Champions Church Skipton and drop us a message. I'll speak to you again soon.